the Redeemer Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead, and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church, and I'm super excited to continue our series of Theology 101. Yes, we have been walking through the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and we're on questions 76 through 78 today. And uh, um, I'm, I'm just... We're getting we're getting close. We're getting close to the end. I think question I think there's 110 questions. Um, you guys are are almost there. I'm almost there. Yep, there is 107 questions. Now I'm gonna have to scroll all the way back up to question 76. So we've been walking through the moral law, which is uh, expressed in the Ten Commandments, and you have to understand that God's moral law, though it is given on Mount Sinai in the context of the Mosaic Covenant the Old Covenant, that does not mean that the moral law has been abrogated, that it has been abolished, that it has been done away with. Um, Because here's the thing about God's moral law, or natural law, you can say, is that it reveals the character of God. These are laws that are intrinsic to being created in the image of God. Uh, Luke I think it's Matthew 22, Jesus um, summarizes the Ten Commandments when he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you must love your neighbor as yourself. And what he is doing there is he is summarizing the moral law of God, which transcends time, which was in existence before the Mosaic law was given. See, the Ten Commandments applied those moral principles, those moral laws applied before they were given at Sinai. Murder was wrong before Sinai. Adultery was wrong before Sinai. To worship another god was wrong before Sinai. Uh, to not keep the Sabbath was wrong before Sinai. Why? Because it is intrinsic of who God is. He, especially as we learned about the Sabbath, right? Keeping the Sabbath, God instituted that in the Garden. It was instituted in creation, um, and so which pointed to rest for the fulfillment of God's law. Um, really, or or eternal rest, eschatological rest, and which is what we look for today as Christians. So we have to understand that that these. This is why we're going through it. This is why the Westminster Shorter Catechism um, is teaching through this. Why the Puritans believe this. Why the reformers uh, uh, taught this is because the moral law matters. It matters for us in how we understand uh, life, our worldview our political decisions, all of those things. This is what is pleasing to God. And as a Christian, as a child of God who has been justified, adopted, sanctified, and will be glorified in heaven, these principles, these laws are things that we love. We love the law of God, and we love to see the law of God applied not just in our own life, but also to our neighbors. Because commands 5 through 6 summarize... Are the summary of those commands is you must love your neighbor as yourself. And so we apply these laws not only in our own spiritual life individually, but they also affect the, the, the public square, the culture in which we live in. And so this is why it's important that we understand um, God's moral law. And here we come to the ninth commandment. I know that that was a little bit longer introduction, but there's just so much, even in light of the election, um, that will be coming up this Tuesday, um, is that God's moral law matters. And it matters 
and, and it helps us understand morals. It understand it helps us understand how our votes should be not only honoring to the Lord, um, but also uh, our votes matter because they affect the, our neighbor. They affect our neighbor, and so we should vote in such a way that is consistent with our worldview, with what it with, that is consistent with what it means to be made in the image of God. And so any candidate, any party that violates the basic understanding of what it means to be made in the image of God, that means, I would say, a denial of God, a denial of the sanctity of life, denial of the nuclear family, denial of private property, all these things that we have covered, uh, denial of religious freedom, all these things, um, should be rejected because they do not fall in line with God's moral law. So, here we are. Questions 76 through 78. Question, we're on the ninth command. Here we go. What is the ninth command? Which is the ninth commandment? Question 76. The answer, the ninth commandment is, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. This comes out of Exodus 20, 16, which says, um, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. I just read that. So it comes straight out of Scripture. All right? So what is the positive aspect? What does it mean? Uh, so what's so if we're not supposed to give false testimony, what are we supposed to do as believers? Question, 76, question 77, what is required in the Ninth Commandment? The Ninth Commandment requires us to maintain and promote truth. So that's the first thing to maintain and promote truth between men and our own and our neighbor's good name, especially when called upon to bear witness in the court of law. I added in the court of law. So the ninth commandment requires us to maintain and promote truth between men and our own and our neighbor's good name. We get that from Zechariah 8.16, these are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgment that are true and make for peace. Um, truth is something that God cares about, and it's something that Christians should care about. We should not uh, willy-nilly just believe any headline that we read. We should, on the, on the basis of two to three witnesses, we should care about truth. We should know um, the sources that we're looking at. We should know their biases. We should know what they're talking about. We should we those facts should be verified, um, and we should be ones that seek the truth. Now, remember, Jesus says that He is the way, the truth, and the life. The truth ultimately coincides with seeking of the truth, which is the gospel, salvation. Um, it coincides with a biblical worldview. We could we can know truth. We can know truth. So God's establishing that. So relativism, all uh, subjectivity, subjectivism, all these other worldviews should be denied right away. We can know truth. We are called to maintain and promote truth. So Zechariah 8.16, Acts 25.10 from the New Testament. But Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal um, where I ought to be tried. Sorry. To the Jews I have done no wrong. As for yourself, as you as you yourself know very well. See, the Jews were um, maligning and slandering and bringing false charges against Paul, um, which was a breaking of the Ninth Commandment. They did not care about their neighbor's good name or their own good name or the truth in general. Third John 1.12 says, Demetrius has received 
a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. So God cares about the maintaining and promoting of truth between men and our own and our neighbor's good name. Let's complete this thought, especially when called upon to bear witness in a court. A, uh, a faithful witness does not lie, but a false wit- witness breathes out lies. Proverbs fourteen five. Proverbs fourteen twenty five. A truthful witness saves life, lives, but one who breathes true breathes out lies is deceitful. So, as Christians, we are to seek the truth. We are to seek justice. We are to promote the truth. We are not to come to conclusion. I, here's here's one of the faults that so many Christians have done, and I've seen this on social media, is not only the conspiracy theories and all these things during coronavirus, but specifically when there is a shooting, um, when there's, um, like for instance, the George Floyd video, everyone came out and said, this is racism. This is ra-. We don't know that, though. That is not the truth. We need all the facts. Before we come to conclusions on things, we need to know the facts. This is what was so tragic about the Breonna Taylor case. As you know, uh, her, uh, I don't know, I'm paraphrasing here, her boyfriend was involved in some sort of drug ring, and so they got the address, and they knocked, and they uh, asked for if anyone was there, this was in the middle of the night, so the, the cops bust down the door, and the boyfriend shoots back, and in the fire um, uh, of, of this police officer firing back, um, Breonna Taylor is killed. Well, everyone was in an outrage when they found out that they were not going to murder Breonna Taylor, that they were not going to murder those people. They had uh, just, they were within the bounds of, of justice and the law of what they were doing. And so when they found out that that um, there was no manslaughter or homicide charges brought to the cops, people freaked out. So that's not the seeking of a truth. They just want an outcome, despite the justice, despite the truth, despite the law. And so as Christians, we cannot jump to conclusions so quickly. We need to be ones that seek out the truth, right? This has happened in many cases where people have come out and said, this is racism, this is murder, these cops, whatever, you know, and they don't have all the facts. They don't have all the facts. And so we live in, in, a, in a world that loves to bear false witness, and God hates that, and we should hate that as well. Like the whole Kavanaugh hearings with Judge Kavanaugh and uh, the hashtag Believe All Women, that is a terrible hashtag. Why? Because... It, it assumes that all women are telling the truth when we know that all men and women are born in sin. All men and women are like their father, the devil, uh, the, fa- the father of lives, of lies, and do not naturally seek the truth. And so we need to be ones that look at all the facts, that put all the facts together, and seek the truth, especially when we're called upon to bear witness. Okay. So that is what is required. I kind of went into what is forbidden. Question 78, what is forbidden in the ninth command? The ninth command forbids whatever misrepresents truth or is injurious to our own or our neighbor's good name. Leviticus 19.16 says this, You shall not go around as, as a slander among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Psalm 15.3, Who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor nor takes up reproach against his friend. That is what we are called to do. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 says this, 
There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. He hates haughty eyes, or prideful eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among the brothers. Gossip, slander, talking about someone else in a negative way to make yourself look better, all these things are um, are crossing, uh, are breaking the ninth command. God hates slander. God hates when you assume the truth, when you don't know the truth, and you misrepresent the truth in your assumptions. We are to be very cautious about how we talk about our good neighbor's name. We are to be very serious. God says that he hates, he hates, he abhors. They are an abomination to him, those who sow discord, those who, who bear false witness. Luke 3.14 says this, Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, but be content with your wages. So part of this bearing false witness is not to extort people, is not to lie to them, not to use them. And so all this is, is in the ninth command. God hates a lying tongue. God hates a slandering tongue. God loves when we maintain and promote the truth. So is that who we are as Christians? That's what we need to be. We need to call out falsehoods. We need to call out lies. We not need not to shy. I love what one the I'll end with one theologian statement. He says, Sins of the tongue are very common and very harmful. In Psalm twenty seven two, David speaks of wicked men who sought to eat his flesh like wild beasts, words which really refer to slander and false accusations. A person's good name can be taken from him by false words. The Bible lists gossiping, deceit, malice, and slander, along with murder and depravity. So serious are these sins of the tongue. Um, that That's how serious God is about those sins of the tongue. Therefore, avoid being careless with your words or talkative. Speak more about principles and facts and, than people and personalities. Never tell a lie to cover yourself or hurt someone else, and don't keep a score of others' wrongdoing. There is the application right there, and I've gone too long. So that's the ninth commandment, folks, and I know it's a big one. If you want a passage to look up on the tongue, I, I suggest James chapter 3. Just read that, meditate on it. Um, it's a great passage. And if this is you and you've broken this command, repent. Turn to the Lord. Um, ask for help. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, he will help you guard your tongue. Thanks so much for listening. If you want more information about our church, go to uh, RedeemerRockford.Church. We'd love to see you on a Sunday or on a Wednesday night if you are a student. And so this is Theology 101. Uh, Join us next week as we uh, get into the Tenth Command. We end our series through the moral law, okay? All right. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good one.